Hi everybody, you're listening to the Raw Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FedLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom, and we're rope partners who've been practicing together for a few years. We're excited to share a passion for rope with you, and we live in Thailand. And before we get started talking about rope, you may have already heard the little Christmas miracle we had. Uh, our sound quality has gotten quite a bit better thanks to your support, dear listeners. Your financial support through buying courses, rope gear, and directly donating through our Patreon has allowed us to purchase a much better microphone. And hopefully, over time, as we learn better how to use it <laughs> and we get back to our normal space, which is a bit less noisy than this one, uh, you'll really hear the difference in uh, the sound quality of the podcast. So special shout out for everyone who contributed to uh, this endeavor, and in particular, Graham, who was particularly instrumental in making this possible. All right, so Maya, today we are looking at a topic which always seems to excite the rope community, and a topic there's a lot of disagreement about, I guess, in terms of what it is, in terms of what it means. Um, we are talking about one rope bondage, also called Ichinawa or Iponawa, or whatever else you want to call it, really. It's, it's not so much uh, what matters today. Uh, it took us a while, Maya, to prepare this episode, and we collected quite a bit of material, and so we decided to split it into two distinct episodes, right? We did, and today we're going to start with what Ishinawa is and how you might do it. So, Fox, what is Ishinawa or One Rope? In general, Ichinawa is going to be a type of rope bondage that is quite minimalistic. So one piece of rope, and by that we mean one coil. Obviously, coils have different lengths, but it could be anything from 6 to 10 meters of rope, I guess, of the type of rope you favor. Uh, and two people, one who is doing the tying and one who is being tied. Okay, so so it's pretty minimalist, and even though people don't agree on the name, it doesn't really seem to matter so much what you call it. And and we talked to a few of our friends, didn't we? Because that that lived experience of what it actually is um, has seemed pretty different to us. So can we have a listen to um, what our friend said? Uh, so yes, first of all, we got a message from uh, Christian Red, who you may have heard in our episode 22 when we interviewed him about takedown rope. Uh, and he is an experienced rigger as well as a rope educator in the UK. And Maya, please read his message to us. So he says, I came across Ishinawa because I read an article by a rigger who had seen it in Japan. And the nature of his writing was that unless you had studied with someone in Japan, you couldn't understand the significance and communication behind Ishinawa. Uh, and that would be just impossible. So I kind of really struggled with that. I thought it was basically not so true. It seemed it was tying with one piece of rope, and a lot of rope things are largely a social construct. So I started experimenting with it, and it was a case of how much emotionally I could get involved in the scene with one piece of rope, and how much technically I could achieve with one piece of rope. 
So what I could do in terms of shapes, how I could use the rope in my body to control their body and building on it that way. Everyone I've spoken to who has done or taught an Ishinawa class has been largely similar. It's seeing what they can pull out with one piece of rope involved. A lot is connection, but also how smoothly you handle that rope, because if you handle it badly, there's no cumulative effect of the rope. So that's interesting, this notion of simplifying the technique, I guess, because you're using only one single piece of rope, and that allows you to have less to worry about, and then focus more, I guess on the one hand, on the emotional connection with your partner. And on the other hand, you can also be much more focusing on your rope handling and the smoothness of your movement because you're not keeping to the forefront of your mind a complicated pattern you're trying to achieve. Hmm. It's quite, uh, without sounding too pretentious, it's quite a pure form of rope because it's just about that one piece of rope and the other person and you and how you interact with the rope. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I would also say that it is more process-focused mm. as opposed to okay. outcome-focused. Yeah. We, we don't care so much what the final tie is going to look like. And in fact, quite often in Ichinawa, we're going to tie something, then untie it, then retie something different. So there's not so much a final state, something we're trying to arrive at. It's really much more the movement and the experience of tying and untying. Hmm. Um, so we also took to another one of our friends, uh, Fabiola Lavu of the podcast, you say the name. Uh, okay, Kindakunomikan. Yes. And we interviewed her in uh, episode 55, and she is our go-to for everything uh, Japanese bondage and Japanese language related, because she's uh, very experienced in researching and translating material on those uh, topics so when christian said that some people had told him that you had to go to japan to understand when ichinawa was obviously we went to Fabiola, and here's what she had to say about it Fabiola, can you tell us a bit about ichinawa and if there are any uh, resources you recommend or myths or anything that would be helpful for listeners to know um uh, that the only thing i know about ichinawa is that there are kind of like three different things going on with it one is just Ichinawa is the way people try to say one rope, right? Mm -hmm. And as far as that goes, there are all kinds of ties which you can just simply tie with one rope, right? So it's fairly general. Yes. Um, there's this other way people use Ichinawa, which is say it's kind of a particularly intimate change of tying that kind of simplifies things down to maybe a few or one rope. And different people have their own type of approaches to that, like, for Wicked Dave, for example, I heard he had kind of his Ichinawa thing. And then there's, which kind of, kind of, this one kind of confuses me a bit because I don't understand what the difference between that is and kind of the more soft SM style of shibari, which is fewer ropes and or one rope and kind of simple ties as well. And kind of the third part of that is Ichinawa Kai, which is the bondage artist Hajime Kanoko's group. So I think there's, yeah, kind of some confusion about, like, these three different things. Yeah, very much so. And in terms of the Japanese, because this is very much one of those ties where I have had feedback from people who've been to Japan to say, well, you can, you can't, you literally can't possibly understand Ishinawa if you haven't been to Japan. Is there any, like, basis uh, in fact that's, for that? 
That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, the thing about the activity is it's an activity, and people have their own ideals, and there are some common trends, there are some popular trends, especially people who are into a particular type of thing. But to actually start getting involved with it, you can just do the starting stuff and get into it, and you are doing the activity. But as far as kind of like understanding the, the deeper parts of it and like all the different tropes and fetishes involved with it, of course, that takes extra time and takes more involvement. You have to be exposed to it and listen to people, right? And for a lot of people, especially ones who don't speak the language, the only way they have access to those types of things is to go to Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, now with some of the bondage artists coming out, and hopefully some more people doing translating and stuff, I think hopefully that will be less of an issue in the future. But right now, I think basically if you're involved with the activity, you're picking up some stuff, you're doing the activity. It's just like with anywhere else, the more you experience, the more you get involved, the more you're going to learn. And is there a strong Japanese, in inverted commas, tradition around Ishinawa, or is it something that we've that's been invented in a more modern way with you know, Kuroko. It's, it's funny you ask that, Maya, because I also asked a, a person who came back from Tokyo how they did Ichinawa in Japan, and they said, oh, that's not a thing. Japanese people don't do that. So I'm really curious what the answer to that's going to be. Yeah, I haven't heard it as a thing. Um, I, what I normally hear is kind of like beginning bondage, right? Bringing somebody new into the scene, showing them certain types of ties, or there's ties for lovers, which may be very simple and may only have one rope in it. There are certain types of approaches by different bondage artists, which again will be kind of more simpler ties and like approaches around that. But like as a separate type of thing, I don't really hear it. But then in general, I don't really hear some of the Terms that we use in English that get separated as, as these specialized things are just kind of part of the spectrum when I'm listening to things in Japanese. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free. Far from it, actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases, and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. All right, Maya. So it seems that the good news is we won't have to pony up for a plane ticket to Japan and we can actually do Ichinawa wherever we are. Okay, great. Um, and I wanted us to give um, a mention to Wicked Dave um, mm-hmm. because a number of people who we talked to mentioned him um, as one of the people very strongly associated with the technique. So he first taught it in the West in 2011. Um, and in a FetLife thread I found, he described it as a technique for stripping away distractions, complexity, Uh, and concentrating on the interaction between two people in rope. So I thought it was worth giving a mention to him um, Mm -hmm. and uh, and his uh, experiences with it. So, Fox, we've talked a bit about what it is um, Mm -hmm. and even what it isn't. So how do we actually do it? Well, if you're you're someone who's going to start off 
Um, and as you say, beginners can do it. What should they do to do the technique? So you have this one coil of rope. Um, to state the obvious, I would start by uncoiling it. <laughs> and right. that sounds like a joke when I say it. But actually, a little tip is I have found that if I uncoil my coil of rope before starting the Ichinawa, and for me that means starting my music, because I like doing Ichinawa to music and specific songs, um, spending the beginning of my tying and the beginning of my song messing with my coil, I found not so great. So I actually want, in my mind, to start with the bite of my rope already in my hand and ready to start putting it on my model's body. So I guess to be slightly pretentious, the first step for me is to be prepared uh, physically, but also mentally before I begin. All right, and what does that mean? Um, that means I'm going to be very mindful of the moment my rope is going to touch my bottom's body for the first time. And I'm trying to achieve from that moment something unbroken. Okay. And have a flow. So I'm going to start with one point of connection. Traditionally, one you see very often is the wrist with a single column tie or both wrists with a double column tie. But I also like to mess around and experiment with starting with my anchor point somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I want to be as smooth as possible in applying my rope around my bottom's body and potentially moving her body with the rope. And for me, Chinawa is something that can have a lot of movement mm -hmm. and body control techniques. Uh, which might mean starting with the bottom in a sitting position and using that rope to bring her to, let's say, a prone position or a standing up position and really using that one rope. Almost like in a hojo style, so a more martial arts style, using that one rope for control and body movement mm. would be part of it. And I think for me as a bottom, before you make connection with the rope, making connection with your body is important. Mm -hmm. So... When I'm doing Ishinawa with someone, it's usually quite a, uh, like you say, a flow tie. And, and I need to be in tune with the body of the rigger. Mm -hmm. And that means I want them to make connection with me quite strongly with their body. So whether that's a hand on my shoulder, whether that's their chest against my back like there's a million different ways you could do it mm -hmm. but some piece of connection physically before they put the rope on me so that I know we're in it together okay um, that makes a lot of sense I would also say when I do Ichinawa I try to pay a lot of attention to breathing because for me Ichinawa is very much a game of rhythm and there's an external rhythm that comes from, let's say, the music, if I'm doing it to music like I usually am. But there is also a more internal rhythm that comes from my breathing and the breathing of my bottom. And often when the connection works out, I find that there's more and more synchronicity between the breathings as the scene progresses. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of what you're tying, we heard um, P. 
people tie, untie, tie, untie, uh-huh. tie, retie. So there's a lot of movement in the rope itself. Absolutely. Um, as well. So, so talk a bit about that. How do you decide what to tie? I, I read somewhere someone say that Ichinawa was picking a different path every time. And I like that idea, like starting from that same point, say that wrist where is my rope going to travel along the shape of my bottom's body? And so it's very organic and not really something I've decided in advance. And I'm normally someone who likes to plan my ties yes, quite thoroughly before doing them. Indeed. Um, but in this case, I'm more looking at my partner's body and feeling her body and saying, kind of feeling that the rope like wants to go over her, sh- her shoulder or wants to go under her breast and like almost like if it was a river flowing and finding its way along the body okay and then i would untie also being careful to preserve the flow in the untie because we mm. know like doing a great tie is great but also doing a great untie is even better and in ishinawa the untie is very much part of the the tie in a, in a way that i i I think is more than any other type of tie because you're continuing tie, untie, mm-hmm. retie, untie, tie. It's almost like an ebb and flow of mm. a tidal wave. Like yeah. you go in with the tying and quickly you come back out with untying and you retie something completely different or slightly different. And this back and forth mm. I find almost trance like when it's good. Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, so you said that you sometimes start with an ankle, mm-hmm. uh, a wrist, I mean, or two two wrists together. Uh, ankle also relevant, that, that wasn't incorrect. Okay, and what, what, other, what other starting points might there be? Pretty much anywhere you can put a single or double column tie on someone's body, really, um, around the waist. Mm-hmm. One that I like to do that is a bit less common is starting with a hair tie. Oh. And then from the hair, you can go around the face, you can go around the neck with being very careful and making sure that your bottom is comfortable with this Mm -hmm. type of rope, obviously. Uh, You can direct the whole body from the head. Again, being careful not to injure your partner's neck. Uh, so yeah, I find hair tie actually quite potent as a start for mm. Ichinawa techniques. So there's quite a lot of places you can start. Um, I would note that if you choose a waist and you've only got one rope, you have less rope to play with yep. in your tie. So that's yep. worth for new people um, considering where whatever you use in your um, first knot, mm-hmm. um, you then don't have that rope to, to play with. Um, Absolutely. Uh, that's fairly relevant okay so we talked about it as a process rather than an end result so so what else does that mean like how are we how are we making sure that the process works i think you have as a rigor and you can talk about the bottom side after but as the rigor you really have to look at your partner and feel your partner because to me it's more than any other type of rope, it's about synchronicity and coming together. And that can only happen if you're open to the other person and feeling the right speed, the right tightness that is going to work in that moment. 
Uh, Yorichinawa could be really slow and cuddly and tender, or it could be really fast and hard and tight and painful and throwing your partner around the room. So it's really about being on the same page. And some of that hopefully comes from discussion and negotiation with your partner, but also a lot can come from perceiving your partner and responding to the signs they're giving you and the way they're behaving in your role. And presumably also what's inside yourself at that time, because you're communicating as well as listening. Yes, absolutely. And I would say since you're more focused on the process of tying, because you're tying something simple, I would feel you more easily communicate emotions for your rope. Do you think, as someone who's been tied in Ichinawa, that's true? Um, Yeah, I I definitely feel different things when doing Ichinawa, and I think it's one of the places you can lose yourself as a bottom Mm -hmm. more easily when it's done uh, well. Uh, And it's very much like dancing. So you are, as a bottom, responding and adding your own... Maybe flair isn't the right word, but your own um, communications and sharings non-verbally back. So let's be a bit more practical. So if you tie something tight, the noises that the bottom makes, the um, physical responses that they have... Uh, very much communicate something back. This is not something to do, I think, with the more, forgive my terminology, the more dead fish bottoms. So (laughs) I think if you're a bottom... What do you mean by your dead fish bottom, first of all? I mean, someone who um, is very unresponsive or very passive. I think, uh, for me, Ishinawa is something where the two people need to both move. So, So it's nothing to do with how she smells? No. No. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so a rope becomes an extension of who you are, and and the rope itself is a way of communicating more than in in many ties. Okay. Sounds good. Um, there's not that many resources on how to get started with Ichinawa, right? Uh, no, definitely it seems not. Because we've been searching a while and that's why we went to our friends in the end. Um, mm-hmm. We've been practicing it for a few years to try and understand it better from a lived experience ourselves. Um, uh, there is an SNM video that is a pretty good starting point and that's what we use at the beginning to get a feeling for what Ichinawa could be. Uh, and that's one of the videos uh, you can find on ropepodcast.com and if you subscribe through that link then we will get... Uh, a little bit of money which is always nice without that costing you anything extra Um, so that video was very useful for us it shows you like basic techniques and I would say from that we developed a bit of our own Ichinawa style does that seem like right? yeah and I think that's um, that's something that we can think about so I I wanted to just think about the safety level for the Mm -hmm. bottom like this seems very simple Um, But are there any risks that our listeners need to consider when they're doing Ishinawa? So the challenge risk-wise with Ishinawa is that it's going to be improv. It's going to be organic. And thus, you don't really have data 
on how safe it's going to be because it's not like a chest harness that you tie always in the same way and hundreds of people have tied in thousands of scenes mm. and it's well understood where the danger areas of a chest harness are and probably some modifications have been brought to that harness over the years to make it safer yeah uh, here you're tying something new every single time and so the only thing that's going to help keep your partner safer is basically your knowledge of anatomy in general and your knowledge of your partner's body in particular because different bodies are going to have different weak points different points of attention so perhaps having a more in-depth conversation about that as part of your negotiation is a good idea i think so um okay um and then I wanted to end on difficulty level because I mm -hmm. think this is really going to segue into our next episode. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we've really found is that all levels of people can do um, Ishinawa. So it's taught in some classes as a first technique to help understand what connection is and mm -hmm. to show what you can achieve with just one rope. And I think that's amazing and people should do it way more. Yep. Yep, definitely. It's a great technique. So that's for like complete beginners who are literally just picking up their piece of rope for the first time and starting to understand what it's like to touch another body and to bind another body and to move another body. Mm -hmm. But then at the other end, you've got people like Wicked Dave and Jake Wing, who we'll t talk to in our next episode, um, who are incredibly experienced mm -hmm. and still practicing this technique and finding a lot of joy um, in it so it seems to me something that you can go quite deep with absolutely um, and that's what our next episode is going to focus on on one row Ishinawa. so um, catch us then all right that is all from us at the rope podcast stay tuned for more one rope in our next episode uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, so iTunes, Stitcher, and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Single word, no hyphen, no space, just Rope Podcast. You can support us on our Patreon to help keep us running, and if you can't afford that or don't want to, you can also leave us a review on iTunes because it helps more people find our podcast. Uh, we also love questions from you, our dear listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.